Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Today we're going to talk with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. We had a long weekend off. We're going to talk some USC football again. Lots of news. Lots of stuff has been happening in the world of USC football. Even during the bye week, we know USC's opponent in the Pac-12 championship game. There's some coaching changes going on. Lots of crazy stuff. And we wanted to talk to the coach uh, about all that. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com is email or call or text 424-254-9141. That way we can uh, take your voicemail, take your text, read it or play it on the air and do our best to answer your questions. Please subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com slash Podcast. Tell your friends, let people know you like to listen to myself and the coach here on the Peristyle Podcast. All right, Coach, had a little break. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Welcome back to the show. What's going on? Everything is great, buddy. Had a great Thanksgiving. Had a bye week, uh, but not really a bye week. I'm ready to go. I tell you, we know now, or SC knows now who they're going to play. We know who's going to be in the championship games, not only in the Pac-12, but all over the country. We've had the number one and number two go down this past weekend. So let's see what happens. It's a little bit... uh, a little bit crazy um, with everything that's been going on. You know, Alabama losing certainly uh, puts a, a – it kind of throws a wrench into all the rankings and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, we want to talk about the local stuff. We want to talk about uh, all of that. But I wanted to thank uh, our sponsor before we jump into it, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, you want to go to that Pac-12 championship game, you can take a drive up the five and uh, check it out if you're here in Southern California or wherever you're coming in from to see USC take on the Stanford Cardinal. Again, it's sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Coach, we want to jump into some stuff real quick before we... uh, I wrote a piece over the weekend or, or on, I think it was Saturday morning, about USC's chances for the playoff. There were still some... Slim hope alive, but kind of pretty much everything, almost everything, not everything. uh, Most of the things that needed to happen did not happen. The opposite happened. Stanford did beat Notre Dame, so that was one team uh, knocked out from ahead of them. But Alabama losing puts a whole other situation into play. Oklahoma won big. Uh, It doesn't seem like there's any way possible USC can sneak into the uh, college football playoff now. I'm really curious what's going to happen on Tuesday, what the rankings are going to be. Um, this could be the year where things really blow up, where you have a, a one-loss Alabama, maybe don't make it in, or ahead of a two-loss, like Ohio State, Big Ten Conference champion. There's there's some crazy stuff that could happen. A lot of things could happen, but I think if you're USC, you focus on not what could have happened, but should happen and what you can have happen. And you control your own destiny on what bowl game you go to. You become a Pac-12 champion something they haven't had, uh, been able to do over a period of time. And Lynn Swan, the athletic director, even said last year he wasn't satisfied with the Rose Bowl victory. He wanted to win the Pac-12 championship. So I, I listened to my boss, 
and I'd say let's win the Pac-12 championship and then go to a great Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, uh, I think that's the the right way to go, the right approach uh, of what's going on here. And we're going to go over some news at the top before we jump into your question. So like we said, uh, so what happened in the Apple Cup was Washington State off of their bye week did not show up uh, in Seattle. Washington crushed them. And that means that Stanford, uh, no matter what happened in the Notre Dame game, that didn't matter, was, was going to the Pac-12 championship game. So... USC will play a team playing a tough opponent because they played Notre Dame and uh, handled them pretty good in the fourth quarter um, on short rest. But it's not a team that's going to have to travel because they just have to drive down the freeway to get to uh, Levi Stadium. But I th- I thought Washington State would be a better matchup. We actually had Curtis and Marino Valley call in about that, uh, about the smallest defense for Washington State. But um, Curtis, that they're not going to play Washington State now, so you don't have to worry about that. But USC and uh, Stanford coach. So USC's beat them once. Uh, David Shaw is a really good coach. Uh, probably going to be, you know, not not the easiest thing in the world to beat them again. No, it's not going to be easy ever to beat Stanford. And uh, I don't know how many questions we have on this, uh, but I can get into it a little bit. I think they're an improved football team. I think they're a better football team with Costello. Yeah, I think they've found out now also who the receivers are and how to utilize their tight ends with their big split receivers, and they put mismatches against you. They realize at times you have more talented players, but if they match up uh, with you with uh, height advantages and so on, that they can beat you. They're uh, an under-center team, and they're a, 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 a shotgun type of team. They do it all, and they do it very well. They have all types of series. They have rhythm. They have a understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. They don't beat themselves. They have very few penalties. Uh, they're a good team, and on defense, they're very solid. They tackle really well in the open field. Uh, they may get beat on a pass, but uh, the defender is right there. They don't have breakdowns in the secondary. So they play Stanford football, and they've won a lot of games now in a row since they started 1-2. and two. So you've got to give credit to uh, David Shaw and uh, Stanford, and They've now played themselves into a Pac-12 championship game again. So the Trojans have got to get ready for this, and it's going to be quite a challenge. So the, uh, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about the bye week. I've never liked bye weeks, but we'll move on. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, with coming off a of bye week, Washington State had a bye week. Uh, Colorado had a bye week in week 12. Both those teams lost, and they didn't look good at all. Um, Oregon had a late bye week, uh, and they they actually won. And then Cal had a late bye week. They both were week eleven, and and they lost. So there's five November bye weeks in the Pac-12 so far. Three of those four teams that are coming off bye weeks have lost. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But NorCal Trojan wrote in. He said, "Anyone else feel like beating Shaw in the farm twice in the same season is a tall order for Clay and the current coaching staff." Thanks from Harold. Well, yeah, I think it's a tall order for anybody. Ask uh, Brian Kelly, okay? He's had a tough time playing David Shaw, too. And uh, I'll tell you, when you look at the game, and many people watch that game, too, the same game I saw last night, you've got to be thinking, if you're a Trojan or a Trojan coach or player, what Stanford did to a team that embarrassed you in South Bend. Controlled them, kept them off their rhythm. Uh, They weren't the same Notre Dame team as far as watching them play. They were the same players, but they certainly didn't accomplish what they did against USC. So I'd be real concerned. 
about the team you're going to play. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, Notre Dame didn't look sharp, but I'm not saying that that's they weren't ready to play. I'm sure they're ready to play. I think Stanford did what they needed to do in taking away what they did well, and they did what they could to defeat their defense. So, uh, you know, I, I just think uh, this is going to be some real challenge. And to beat Stanford two times in a row in one year, that is a real challenge. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly you had a great game against them, beating them, what, uh, 42 to 24 and some 600 yards in total offense. That ain't going to happen again at least if they have anything to say about it. Now, of course, you've got to get yourself ready to play, too. And I'm concerned about them coming off a bye and having too much time off. But, again, I hope I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. We definitely will see. Um, The other pretty big news that was going on this weekend, uh, we know, know Jim Moore was fired by UCLA, so he was fired on his birthday. Um, we know earlier this morning, this is Sunday, uh, that Todd Graham, Arizona State, uh, he was fired. And there was rumors that he was going to be replaced by Kevin Sublin, who's actually still the head coach at, at uh, Texas A&M. A couple people reported that. And then our friend Bruce Feldman reported that that's not happening or it's not in the works right now or whatever. So we'll see kind of what happens um, at Arizona State. But they definitely let Todd Graham go despite... Uh, a great comeback win in the Territorial Cup, beating uh, Arizona. And, you know, they had a really nice win over Washington earlier in the year, too. So uh, a couple nice wins, at least down the stretch, for Todd Graham. He goes 7-5, and five and he still gets fired. Uh, but the, on the UCLA side, big news in Los Angeles because Chip Kelly uh, is named the head coach. And so he's coming back, former Oregon coach who went to four straight, you know, BCS Bowl games top four rankings, I believe. So it was like kind of a shorter Pete Carroll run. No national championships or anything. Uh, then you know some miserable seasons in the NFL to become an analyst, and now he's going to be the head coach at uh, UCLA. Um, we had a question. I'll, I'll get your comments, Coach, but we do have a question. I'll read. Uh, I said, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, uh, this is Maybit from Ontario. I believe the Chip Kelly hire at UCLA will benefit USC because we will be forced to play better to maintain our dominance in Los Angeles. Maybe this is the spark we need to play at our best. Your thoughts? Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks for all you do. You're simply the best. Fight on. Beat the farm. So uh, kind of get any thoughts you have on Chip Kelly going to UCLA, Coach. Well, first of all, I was very surprised at the timing, and I understand that. I I won't get into that now on what they did and why they were forced into doing that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that will uh, lift up the uh, competitiveness in the two universities in Southern California. Chip Kelly's got a big name, and uh, he will attract uh, talent because of his name. Uh, The quarterback at Bishop Gorman is absolutely perfect. He's a verbal commit to UCLA for what uh, Chip Kelly does. His name is Robinson. He was 24 for 26 this past weekend in passing the ball. He runs the ball great. Bishop Gorman is playing for the state championship against Reed. And uh, he's just a great player, just a great player. So I think they'll be getting a great quarterback that fits exactly what Chip Kelly needs. So it'll raise the level of the bar as far as recruiting and competitiveness in Southern California because of name recognition of what he's accomplished and what he's done in uh, the Rose Bowl and National Championship game and other things that he did and accomplished at, at Oregon. But again, I don't know if it's going to be as great a hire as what everybody's so excited about. 
I mean, when he first inherited the job at Oregon, and I have nothing against Chip Kelly. I don't even know him. I just introduced him once and interviewed him once when I emceed the uh, kickoff luncheon, and he was uh, in the Rose Bowl. But when he got the head job at Oregon, everything was in place. He took over for Bilotti. The complete staff there, which was a great staff that recruited all the players for Bilotti, were there, and he kept them all, just picked up one more. And uh, the facilities were there. Phil Knight was on his team, which didn't hurt anybody. And he continued uh, with the uh, and brought in the style of play that they were utilizing as he was the offensive coordinator there. And they were afraid they were going to lose him. That's why they elevated them to the head coaching position, and Bilotti went on to be AD. Makes sense. Okay. Everybody's a team player. But, uh, you know, uh, he had a great career, but when he went into the NFL, they didn't buy that. The players there didn't buy what he was doing at the Eagles in San Francisco. He's been off a couple of years, and now everybody is running the offense and is very much accustomed to the offense that he was running at Oregon, so it's nothing new. Yes, sure, he knows it, but he's going to have to come back in and put a college staff together himself that are recruiters. He's never demonstrated to me he's a great recruiter, yet he has name recognition. So it's real important that his staff, and I don't know who his staff or who he's going to keep at UCLA, but it's going to be real important that they put that together. Because I'll tell you right now, he didn't have one idea in his mind who a college or a high school prospect is out there. I want you to know, because he hadn't been dealing with that unless he knows he was going to UCLA six months ago, okay? So he's got to get people on his staff that can evaluate and can find out who these guys are. When I mentioned Robinson, I don't know if he knew who Robinson is. He probably does now. So he's got to also come back and pass the NCAA rules book before he can get out and recruit because that's part of the process. You can't just go out and start recruiting unless you pass that. And then uh, there's a lot of other things, too, how they overlooked a lot of his past and hire him at, at UCLA. So it's real important. Somebody wanted him. Somebody put up the money for him. Somebody put up the money as far as Moore's uh, leaving of his coaching position. So obviously it's, it's pretty damn important for somebody at UCLA that UCLA starts winning. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting, some really interesting points there. Um, so, and I think you've seen this out on social media, Coach. There's a, a pretty big divide um, between USC fans and they're, you know, arguing one side or the other. Uh, I think you have some really good points of what, you know, potential problems are with, with Chip Kelly. Um, I personally, you know, feel he's going to, when he would going to come back to college, I felt he'd be a really great, uh, I, I, I feel he would do a really good job. We'll see. I mean, there's certainly concerns like you brought up. Um, I thought it was great for the Pac-12 that he would go to, um, you know, a Pac-12 school as opposed to Florida, who Florida wanted him really bad. His personality doesn't really fit there. Uh, you know, he's not a big deal with the booster kind of guy. I know that. Um, recruiting he's not, a not, big, good, 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 he's not a big guy with anybody. Yeah, like it's, it's not. I the, mean, he has the same type of social skills as Jim Moore does. <laughs> so I mean, don't get me wrong. Right. Return phone calls, uh, all the things that are necessary to be part of what you're getting paid $4 million a year for. Yeah. and, the, and I the mean, fact, I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. I mean, because it's the truth. We experience it. I'm not going to kind of camouflage it. But when you make $4,000 a year, you better return phone calls. 
For you don't know yeah. who I know. I might be calling you to tell you the greatest running back in America. Yeah, so I mean, Stop so on that. There, okay, so there's certainly you know concerns and stuff there. Um, I and and you know see a Scott Frost doing as well as he's doing at UCF. One of you know he used to work for Chip Kelly. Um, I kind of think he's going to come and do well, but I think it's going to help uh, the Pac-12 in general. And I think like what our emailer said, um, I think it's also it at the very least. Like you could argue, what has Jim Harbaugh done for Michigan? Like they haven't won the Big Ten title, they haven't beat Ohio State. Um, they're like one in five against their rivals, but he made Michigan very relevant. And I think what Chip Kelly does is make UCLA very relevant. It brings more spotlight onto the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 South. And I do think it will force USC to make sure, hey, you know, like you you, you got to do things better. Like you can't just you're not going to be able to like sleepwalk through a season and win a whole bunch of games and and, and do pretty well without really giving it your your all, your hundred percent. I think Chip Kelly at least changes the landscape of all that. So in the in the long in the grand scheme of things, it might be a good thing for USC. You know, now if Chip Kelly goes on some crazy epic tear and wins a bunch of national championships, no, that's probably not good for USC. I, I don't. You know, is he going to do that? I mean, it seems very unlikely. But you know, he's going to bring that kind of cachet to a a program that's really needed some relevance. I think Jim Mora changed the culture and did some good things. We'll see if Chip Kelly can kind of take it to the next level. But I, I kind of agree with our emailer that it's potentially a good thing for USC because you like him or you're not, he's going to make UCLA relevant again. He is. The name recognition alone is he is. And I think he's going to keep a couple of coaches on his staff at UCLA because they're, and I won't mention who they are, but I think he's going to keep some of them to keep it going as far as the, the good recruiters and the ones that have great relationships in Southern California. But you don't want to lose anything. Remember, UCLA is going to be going to a bowl game. So how are they going to handle that as far as recruiting with signing date between December 20th and the 22nd? So you don't know what bowl game they're going to and how are they going to be able to recruit. And are those coaches going to recruit when they know they're not going to be hired? And are those recruits going to want to see who the staff is and who they're going to play for, not just Chip Kelly? So you, you better keep a couple of the coaches that are great recruiters and have great relationships with the verbal commits and others so that you don't drop off and let others come in. But I think also that it will help the USC situation because I really believe at USC there needs to be improvements, okay? There needs, you've heard me talk about it in certain parts of the game. And I think that'll wake them up and saying we better make these corrections now rather than wait. And of course, I'm talking about after the a bowl game, whatever they play for. They've done that once before, got rid of coaches before they went to a bowl game, and that's not professionally right. Plus, it's not right as far as for your kids that are playing for you, as far as giving it all, as far as winning all your games all the way out. So I think it's going to be good. There's going to be a lot of things for us all to talk about and read about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly going to be something to talk about. And, and what I guess what maybe has made this such a trigger um, point on social media and on our message boards and everything um, if you followed, you know, USC coaching search, you know, over the years, uh, a lot of people were unhappy that Clay Helton was hired. They wanted to bring someone in like a Chip Kelly, a big name. And USC, you know, went with the, the internal guy with, you know, not a lot of experience or no head coaching experience. And it's kind of created a divide between USC fans. Like, it's crazy, coach. I have people saying on Twitter to me, like, 
USC should fire Clay Helton now because they because they hired Chip Kelly. I mean, that extreme to Chip Kelly's going to be the worst. It doesn't matter. Clay Helton's the best ever. Like it's crazy how divided. It's kind of like the country right now. How divided like the USC fan base is, and you know, someone like myself, people will get on me. I was definitely a proponent of going out and hiring a big name coach. I wanted to see a home run, big splash sort of hire. A Chip Kelly, I felt would do that. A lot of people are like, "No, we don't want Chip Kelly." That you know, it just it just created this kind of crazy divide. So now that he's coming to Los Angeles, he's going to UCLA. Now it's like, okay, see the the people that wanted him. Are now like, see, wait till you see what he does there. We were right, and then so everyone's kind of doubling down. So the the people that are that didn't want him are like, no, no, Clay Hilton. It's so it's it's created this huge riff, and it's it's amazing what it's done. Uh, the you know, just read our message boards, read Twitter. People fighting all the time over this. Oh yeah, I know that's what it's all about, and and I'll and I'll tell you, uh, we all were for who or what or whatever name surface all the times. So that's part of the agents doing that anyway. Uh, for their clients as far as helping their clients get pay raises at where they are. So it's a part of the name of the game uh, of where you're going and use other schools that have openings uh, so that your alumni get together and put a package together to make it a better deal. On the Clay Helton situation, I like Clay Helton. I liked him from the beginning. He's absolutely a wonderful person. I think he's a player's type of coach. But I think he needs uh, someone to uh, support him on both sides of the football and special teams and all of the rest of it, where you have continuity, where you can just be the head coach, sit back and say, uh, go for it or kick a field goal or, or whatever. Uh, I seem to see him too stressed out during the game and, and uh, uh, not game managing. And I think he's a great coach and as far as a personality with people. He has the skills of being able to work with people, and now he needs to have the support staff around him that can direct the great players they get at USC to their great potential that they should be utilizing. Yeah. Well, coach, let's, uh, we'll kind of move on from that. So there's, you know, there's, um, a lot of debate, a lot of discussion will be happening, uh, kind of going forward, but, and you know, I, I, I was one of those people that was saying about, yeah, I think you should get a big name guy, but you also have to look at Clay Helton. I don't want to, you can't ignore that they've won 10 games two years in a row and they have a real chance to win the PAC 12 championship game coming up this weekend. So I think when that's that's maybe part of the problem, Coach, is that if USC wins the Pac-12, uh, maybe some of the naysayers will kind of, you know, quiet up for a little bit. It, it'll certainly be, but if he loses, it's going to make the debate even that much more, oh, man, like, see, we told you, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is a, to me, this is a really important game uh, for USC. You, you talked about Lynn Swan, talking about winning the Pac-12. It's very important. You may, may not make the playoff, but... Winning the Pac-12 for USC and being able to beat Stanford again, uh, to me, this seems like it's really important right now. It's really important, and it's really going to be really challenging. It's really going to be challenging to beat David Shaw two years in a row, or two two times in one year, let's, let's put it to you that way. And it is a very important game for the university and its football program to be able to do that. And again, with a 20-5 and five record currently right now and the possibility of even being better than that, 21 and 5, 22 and 5 is something that you'd say, hey, what are you guys talking about? But I think it's the manner, the manner of which a lot of the wins have accumulated and how they've gone. It hasn't been like uh, a relaxing win or a win to brag about. It was a hold on or come from behind and 
that's not what the Trojan family is used to. Now, if you were winning like this at Arizona State or some of the other universities, and nothing against them, it would be perfectly satisfaction. It would be. But then again, when you look at some of the things that were being done, and I've talked about it during the year, that don't make sense as far as just X and O-wise. You start to question what's going on because the Trojan family, they're hardcore football people. They're not people that don't know the game of football. And a lot of them have played the game of football and understand what you do with X and O's. And sometimes the X and O's just aren't working the way it should be to have the type of finish or the type of performance that should that is expected on the field. Now, as far as record-wise, you can't beat the record. But as far as improvement, that is what everybody is looking at. Everybody's looking at taking it and improving it and trying to move to the next level, and they're more or less concerned with the current way of winning and rather can we do it with the current way of winning. And I think people understand what I'm talking about. We had a question from Nick uh, in Cyprus. He said, so I'm writing this early and assuming a 24 nothing lead for Washington over Washington State, it looks like USC will play Stanford in the Pac-12 title game. You were right, Nick. Simple question. Uh, what would be the three keys to the game versus Stanford on Friday to win the Pac-12 title? You got any early three keys, Coach? Well, uh, looking at the game, they would have to try to accomplish what they did against Stanford in the Coliseum. That's ball control. If you remember, they reversed it. Stanford's the one that always wants to have ball control. They don't want you to have the football. They grind it out, and USC was able to do that. They rushed for I don't know how many yards and passed the ball for how many yards. They dominated the football game both on the offensive and defensive side, and they need to do that again. They need to win up front. That's where the game's going to be decided in the trenches. On the offensive line, can they block Stanford's physical defensive players? Very well-schooled, very fundamentally strong. Uh, they're going to have to get off the line of scrimmage, and, and they've got to play on their side of the football. The same thing with the defensive side of the football. They've got to stop the run. They've got to be able to stop their jumbo type of formations. They have something for everything that they're trying to accomplish, and you've got to recognize this. And the mismatches. They've got to understand that they're going to try to mismatch us, and when they go with the big receivers out there, how are we going to defend the fade? They throw the fade two, three plays times in a row until they hit it, and they finally hit it. They have a tight end. That's six seven. That uh, when you go out there and you're six seven and you're playing on a corner that's five eleven, uh, there's quite a difference. Because if you touch the guy, you're going to get pass interference, and or he's going to catch the ball. So you've got to be able to defend those type of things. You either come up and bump them or double cover them, and then they use their tight end down the seam. So you got to be able to use uh, stop their 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 tight end who's very physical and runs over you. So there's a lot of things you have to work on in the secondary, and I've got a lot of concerns there because the secondary really has broken down over the last couple of weeks, and you don't want that to happen. Yet you still have to stop the run against Stanford, so you've got to load the box. You've got to force them to pass the ball because they really want to run the ball. So uh, you've got to mix it up. You've got to play great football. You can't have penalties. You can't beat yourself. You can't have delay of games, wasted timeouts. You can't do any of that. Yeah. So you've got to put a game together where you don't do those things that have hurt you in the past, the legal procedures. Uh, you've got to be able to do what it takes to play in a championship football game, which you're playing a championship type of team, Stanford, who's been in many of these big games. Not that USC didn't win the Rose Bowl, but I'm telling you, Stanford is a team that does not beat itself. So you better be ready for that. 
Yeah, I think uh, so. You mentioned it earlier. So KJ Costello, I think it's a lot better quarterback. Uh, someone actually USC recruited under Steve Sarkeesian, along with Shea Patterson, who's at Ole Miss. They kind of recruited both, and then didn't get a, didn't get, a, didn't get either of them. But I like KJ Costello a lot better than uh, Chris, and then I think that's an upgrade. Certainly, the mismatches on the outside uh, and the tight ends and stuff. I mean, they, Stanford's just really good at doing that. Now, Bryce Love a little bit hobbled, but he you know he didn't break any big runs last night against Notre Dame, but he ran really well over 100 yards. Um, I don't think the Stanford defense is all that good. Uh, I think there's there's you know points to be had from the USC offense, but I think you could get in those positions where the offense is going to have to come out, click early, coach, get a lead. That's what really worked in the first time around. You could argue USC's best game of the year was against Stanford. So can you repeat that? If you saw any of the other 11 games and saw anything close to that, you'd feel like pretty good about it. But since that's like a 1 out of 11 shot or 1 out of 12, you're like, oh, man, I'm not sure. But I think with you know USC certainly trying to open up holes like they did, the offensive line played really well. If you can keep doing that and control the football, maybe not 600 yards of offense again, but you know getting a lead will go a long way. And then you kind of force Stanford to be a, a more one-dimensional team. But, um, you know, Bryce Love will probably get at least one big run. You give up two or three big runs, you're you're probably in trouble. But I do expect a much better-looking Stanford team uh, than what USC saw uh, you know, in Week 2 when, like I said, probably USC's you know best game overall of the whole year. Oh, I agree with you 100%. They're, they're far improved than when they played USC earlier in the year. And you better have a plan how you're going to go uh... – in your short yardage, but have a plan how you're going to go when you're down on the goal line and when it's third and two on how you're going to convert on third downs. Obviously, two for ten isn't going to get it done. So you better have a plan. you got to have a plan, and you've got to understand where the sticks are. When you get a first down, you don't go to six yards when you need seven yards for a first down and the routes. And remember, you're going to get some pressure, and you've got to be able to make adjustments if you're going to get pressure on how you can roll away from it and do the necessary things to adjust to a Stanford defense. So there's a lot of adjustments that got to be done immediately, not after the game or in the fourth quarter. And you got to come to play. And you got to tell your offensive linemen and defensive linemen, hey, guys, they're, they're proud of their physical, physical abilities on their offense and defensive line. They brag about it. They talk about it. It's time that you bring your play up to their level because that's what's going to be necessary in order to, to, to win this football game. So, you know, it just comes down to coaches doing what they feel that they do best and taking away where the team does best and make them do something they don't want to do and keep them off balance and allow your offense to get in the rhythm and take away the rhythm of their offense and mix up your defenses and coverages and don't have broken coverages. When you have broken coverages, first of all, it gives up six points, but secondly, it's very discouraging and uh, to the team with the momentum change. And also the fans look at you like, what are they doing? Don't they know what they're doing? So a lot of these things that happen like that, you've got to be able to take care of it and don't get unsportsmanlike conduct penalties uh, by doing serious or stupid things. So it's a lot of these things that you've got to clean up to be able to beat a team like Stanford. Not that I say that they can't do it. They can. The Trojans have the athletes to go out there and do that. It's just going to be a great football game on who brings their game. We have a voicemail question, Coach. I'm going to play it for you. This was actually sent last week, but we'll, well, I think you know, after our last show, so I'll play it for you. 
JT from D.C. with a question for Coach Hyde this week. Coach Hyde, uh, I'm starting to think that it's probably hubris on all our parts to assume that Clay Helton can't see what we all can. You know, the obvious problems with uh, the anemic, unsophisticated, uncreative offensive scheme and play calling and the weak defensive back play. But I think he's putting himself in an impossible personnel situation that only Lynn Swan can help him escape from. How do you even consider firing your father's best friend, your best recruiter on a team that has a, a conference USA style and level offensive scheme and play calling, but that depends on talent alone to succeed? Or say the trusted Robin to your defensive coordinator who's directly responsible for recruiting and developing your defensive backs, let alone your own brother. And I would add that's much harder than what Lane Kiffin did uh, when Monty could walk into another million dollar job in the pros easily. None of this is going to happen, not because Helton doesn't get it, but it's just too hard for him interpersonally. It's up to Len Swan to compel him to make some off-season changes. And I think fans and media need to be uh, focusing a little bit more on what Len Swan is thinking and doing rather than what Clay Helton is thinking and doing. Well, I think that has a lot to do, too, with if Sam Darnold stays. Uh, Everybody heard what Kurt uh, Herbstreit said. He thought he should stay another year because he's not reading the secondaries well against UCLA and what's going on. And I've been saying in all the podcasts as far as predetermining his throws and really never having a, uh, the time maybe or the opportunity to read the uh, secondary or understand the defensive schemes that are going on. And I think that's all part of teaching too. So I think uh, – I don't want to say these type of things, but uh, but but I think a lot of Sam Darnold's decision making is going to be on what happens too with the staff, uh, as far as should he stay or should he go, and I think that uh, it's very difficult as a head football coach to make changes. You know the players, you know the coaches, you know their families, you know all of this and that. But again, you have that responsibility. Of becoming a, a better program and, and making your team better and so on. So who that is or what needs to be done, I think you've got to be able to – I say it. Every Sunday you go in and, and you talk with your staff on what's going right and what's going wrong and what we got to clean up so that a coach understands, hey, I gave you this opportunity and we're still making those mistakes. So, hey, I, you can leave me no alternative. It's not me. It's you. I've told you. So I think that uh, – these are things you have to look at. And then again, if you're satisfied with everything and everybody else is satisfied with everything, I don't make these decisions. They don't pay me 3 or $4 million a year to make these decisions. Uh, uh, that's what you get paid for. And uh, I'd hate to see someone uh, blow an opportunity to be the head coach at USC for a long period of time because you're afraid to make decisions. So you've got to do what's right for yourself and what's right for the program and, and make decisions. And if there's no decisions to be made, so be it. Roll with it. That's the way it is. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Roll with it. I like it, Coach. Um, we got Tarek who wrote in and said, does it seem to you that USC still does not have an identity? That's from Tarek, Coach. Well, at times it has an identity, okay? At times it has an identity and then it goes away. Uh, at times, I've seen some of the greatest drives this year where they get the ball rolling, they're pounding the ball, they go down the field, they're keeping you off balance, they're not afraid to run the ball three, four, five times in a row, you're riffing off yardage. And then sometimes I see them come in after they just went down the field and they drove the ball 70 yards on eight run plays and two passes, and they throw three straight passes. 
and across the field or almost throw an interception or do something. I say, what's that all about? Uh, I mean, uh, they have an identity at times, and they get away from it, both offensively and defensively. they got an identity on defense, too. I think they're a better football team when they're going after you, when they contain, and when they take care of the uh, middle of the field. But, again, they're afraid to do that a lot now because they want to play more zone. I would think because of the breakdowns they're having in the second day when you're going man-on-man and nobody's covering anybody. So you have, oh, if I stun, if I go after him, we better get him because somebody's going to be free. So it's difficult to have an identity at times when you want to have an identity because it forces you to do other things, rush three and cover with eight. And that's not bad either if that's what you want to do, but mix it up. But you can't have breakdowns. You can't have breakdowns in the secondary. You can't allow, allow big plays uh, to happen because of mental mistakes. You can't have that. And that's happened uh, the past two games. I can think two plays in each game where their opponents have scored big plays on touchdowns, Colorado and UCLA, by, by just not being in the right place at the right time and for some reason not even covering a guy. That, that shouldn't happen at this level. So uh, those are the things that uh, I see. I think they have an identity at times, but sometimes they don't utilize it or can't correct it to keep that identity. And then sometimes when their identity's there, they completely just give it up and want to try something else, which I don't understand. It's funny, Dan Weber talked about this a couple of times. Um, you know all the complaints people have, like, oh, they didn't do this, they were bad on special teams, they are giving up long plays. Uh, but they, you know, kind of rally and and get it together in the fourth quarter and win the game. Dan was kind of thinking that, that that's this team's identity. Like they're not going to play well the whole game. They're going to do stuff that's going to make you scratch your head, baffling. Like why the heck are they doing this? But then when the chips are down and the you know it's towards the end of the game, they'll make the plays they need to make and come out and, and get the win. It seems like that's kind of like this team's identity is just not look all that good doing it, but doing doing enough to get by and, and get the win. Well, we've talked about that. That's because of athletes making big plays. Yeah. That's because when the pressure's on them, athletes step out and jump out and make those plays. But when you're playing against teams that other have that also have great athletes, you can't you yeah. can't rely on that. Those other great athletes on other teams make plays too. So you got to have a rhyme or reason why you're doing certain things to take advantage of certain routes or what the other team's giving you. Uh, a good example of that is the Notre Dame game. When you have equal personnel playing against you, hey, that doesn't work. You can't jump out and make a play, but the other guy's jumping out and making a play. So you've got to be ha- able to have the, the rhythm and the continuity and the game plan and what you're trying to accomplish and all that together against inferior teams. Yeah, you can do that. But against is teams equal to you or better, you can't do that. So I think that's proven out to be. This is an interesting one from Richard L., he said, uh, hello, Peristyle family. This is a Trojan fan from Sin City. I'm going to try to keep this short and to the point, uh, but he did not. <laughs> that was your intention, Richard. But he said, okay, uh, with Jim Mora being let go this past weekend by UCLA, well, he says F-U-C-L-A. I think he spelled UCLA wrong, Coach. Um, does this bring a very big opportunity for Coach Helton? The defensive backs have been having so many problems this year, and everyone's asking Clay Helton, to make a change from Ronnie Bradford, could Jim Mora be a big addition to this staff? Bringing in Mora would add a big defensive mind and a great recruiter to this staff, even though in his time at UCLA, 
the defensive, uh, the, the defense as a whole wasn't top tier by any means. He did bring in a level of quote unquote toughness that wasn't there before. A possible loss this offseason of T. Martin to another job would be a big recruiting loss for us. Could Mora fill that void? In his time across town, Mora was able to bring in big names and talent that made it all the way to the NFL. Plus, with his buyout, would it not be a nice way for him to give the finger to UCLA by being a coach for the Trojans after getting paid to leave? I'm not saying to bring him in to replace Pendergast by any means, but at the same time, Pendergast has never been a big part of the recruiting side that is very much needed uh, for the program that needs to be on top level of talent. Let's make no mistake about this. I am talking about a coach that already lives in the area, knows the high schools, and knows the other teams in the Pac-12. Why wouldn't Coach Clay Helton want to at least try to make something work with him? Thanks for all you do for us fans near and far. Can't wait for the Pac-12 championship game to come to Vegas in 2021-2022. Richard, I agree with you there. Uh, Richard L. writing in. Richard L., man. Uh, Let me just be short and brief, okay? (laughs) First of all, no. Jim Moore would not be a a good thing at USC. First of all, there's egos, and uh, he's too rich which means he's not going to work hard. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the pride to work hard, but he's not looking at USC as a defensive coach or or anything like that. If he gets another job, he wants to be a head coach. He's got a lot of money. He can sit around. He's been given a lot of money when he left Seattle. Uh, You know, that would be humiliating to him as far as me looking at that program. And the the egos of Pentagrass and him wouldn't work. And, uh, you know, he hadn't had to work every day in coaching the defensive backs and, and breaking down films and doing that. that That's a whole different job now for him. So, yeah, name name is nice, but no, that would not work as far as his name and, and Clancy and also Clay Hilton. That, that, that just isn't going to happen. Who's the head coach on campus? You, you just can't have that. So uh, I know I wouldn't do that, okay, but there is a defensive back coach over at UCLA. I think it's a damn good coach. And also a damn good recruiter. Now, I'm not suggesting any type of a change, but this guy's been bringing in a lot of players. In fact, he, he lands most of the players. So, uh, you know, there are people that UCLA has on their staff that possibly could be in addition to to USC. If there are changes made at USC, I'm not suggesting you make them, but I'm saying if there are changes made there, there's some good coaches over at UCLA and know the personnel and know Southern California, know the Southern California coaches as well as the other. And you're right. They have had some great athletes at UCLA. So I would certainly examine the staff at UCLA, but not Jim Moore. Uh, so Coach is advocating firing a bunch of coaches on the USC staff. Wow, I didn't realize. No, I'm just kidding, Coach. Obviously, oh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that at all. You know I that. know, I'm just kidding. But that, that was, I thought it was an interesting suggestion. we got the Bobby in Hawaii. He said, Aloha. Uh, first time list. I mean, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, our ten wins are against teams with a combined record of fifty four wins and fifty six losses. Many of those wins were close. Only two dominant ones: Stanford and Arizona State. Uh, I think we agree our coaching staff is part of the problem, from discipline to the X's and O's. But I want your opinions on our defense. Are the coaches playing the best players, or do we need to recruit better defensive players? I only see maybe two potential. Future NFL players starting, uh, Yuchenin Wusu and Rasheem Green. Is Levi Jones better than John Houston? Is Bubba Bolden better than Chris Hawkins? Are uh, Wally, Patiku, and, and Connor Murphy just that overrated recruits? 
I feel like the coaches play more by years of experience than by talent and potential. What are your thoughts? Thanks for all you do, Ryan. Fight on. Bobby in Hawaii. Well, Bobby, uh, first of all, I haven't seen a Leonard Williams uh, in a long time. Not that these guys don't play uh, good at times, but at USC, you expect to see Leonard Williams at three spots or that type of player. At least that's your goal. Somebody really sticking out. I think he's the last great defensive lineman that I can remember at USC over the last several years, not the machine Green and these people can't play. But you want dominance. You want a guy that wants to kick you-know-what, and you know if you don't stop him, he's going to be taking the handoff and going the other way. So he forces a double team, okay? Uh, I think you need that type of player. And, uh, and as far as recruits go, uh, I wonder why some of the uh, younger players that were all four- and five-star players don't play. I think after I watched some of them, I would say some of them probably, or a lot of them probably are, uh, I don't want to use the question, uh, the word mistakes, but I don't think they've lived up to their potential of who they were supposed to be uh, when you get players that are what the player of the year and this and that, and, and they don't even get on the field. You say, what what's going on here in their second or third year? So, uh, and I think there are some players that I think that are pretty good players that don't see the field. And I'm not saying that I'm not around them all the time. Maybe they can't line up and play. Maybe they don't even know the coverage calls. That's, this is the things that I don't know. But in watching some players in high school, I wonder why they're not playing. And in watching some people play, I wonder why they're playing over certain players. But that happens. We all think of that. But... Uh, you know, you, you, you do make sometimes uh, mistakes, and that's not the kid's fault. That's the coach's fault. The coaches aren't evaluating properly as far as the level of competition of what they need to beat their toughest opponent. I used to go through my schedule, and I'd say, who's the toughest team we play? Okay, it's this team. Well, we got to get the same players they're getting or better on all of our recruits, or we won't use a scholarship. We're not going to waste a scholarship unless we get these players – no matter what star they are, because they fit what we do and they're going to develop into the great player that they are. I saw Leonard Williams in high school, and I said right there at that time, and you can go back and look at Dave Self's recruiting book that he put out. I said, hey, this is the next big-time lineman at USC, and he was. You can see those type of players. So you've got to recognize who jumps out on the screen, and they've got a couple of guys that, if they get on the field, will maybe jump out on the screen at you. Then you've got some guys that go through the motions. You can't have that type of player. So this is USC, and you've got to have Leonard Williams, and you've got to have, well, you know, the type of offensive lineman. Now, they have offensive linemen that are in the NFL, okay? But they need Emerson Griffin. They need they need some of the guys, you know, Khalil. They need some of these type of guys back or develop the ones they have. They have all the, the ability. It's just that, hey, man, get off the football. How many of you watch the offensive line play or defensive line play and see penetration and see what's going on and see who's driving their legs down the field. Watch Auburn, Auburn. Watch Alabama's offensive linemen get off the football like they're driving a sled and try to take their opponent backwards. Watch Stanford's guys, the way they get up the hole and, and wipe out the linebackers. They completely just wipe you out. They don't knock you down or lean on you. They destroy you. They hurt you. So this is the type of, of uh, what do you want to say, the type of chip on your shoulder you want on some of your players? Uh, 
I'm not telling you to make them uh, different, but I'm saying, you know, you got to have this this attitude. you got to have an attitude that, hey, hey, guy, bring your lunch. This is going to be an all-day fight. You ain't going to beat my butt. You're going to need to eat sometime during this period of time. Let's go. We're going to have Bob Crockett. Uh, well, actually, he wrote in. He wanted to talk about Chip Kelly, which we kind of already talked about. So, Bob, class of 1975, thanks for doing that. We'll do a couple more, and we'll let you go uh, on this Sunday. Justin in Orange County, he said, Coach said you guys would discuss staff, staff changes. Uh, this question is for that podcast. I've been thinking about some staff changes, and I feel like T. Martin is spread too thin. Tyson Helton uh, isn't up to snuff, and neither is Ronnie Bradford. I think Coach McCullough... And Kenichi Udeze have done an excellent job and may be deserving of more responsibility. So here's my thought. Get rid of Bradford and Tyson. Uh, expand BKU to coach the linebackers too. T needs to be the recruiting coordinator and whatever position coach he can handle with that workload, but not the, or, the offensive coordinator. I feel he's doing this work anyway, so that's hardly uh, really, that's not really a change. Bring in a real offensive coordinator who knows how to call plays and set things up and bring in a guy with a lot of potential to shine for the secondary like McCullough was last year. McCullough should be considered to take on more of an assistant OC type of role where he's doing drills with all the offensive players, not just the running backs, possibly also wide receiver or tight end coach. Curious to hear your thoughts, Justin in Orange County. He wants to make a lot of changes. Yeah, he wants to make a lot of changes, and Justin, you can't you can't be making a lot of changes when we really don't know what's going on. Let's give T. Martin the benefit of the doubt. How much play calling is he basically doing? And I'm one of the ones that have uh, criticized the play calling as much as anyone. Uh, who is making all the play calls? Is it Clay Elton? Is it T. Martin? Is it his brother? Uh, I mean, let's let's be realistic. I don't know that. You don't know that. Clay Elton knows that. So what's happening? Maybe he's not getting the opportunity to continue his plan, and maybe he's being interrupted with his thoughts during the game and not getting it done. As far as McCullough, he's self-promoter. Okay, what I mean by that? Yeah, he's he's going to tell everybody how how great he made Ronald Jones. Hey, Ronald Jones, pretty good player before. He doesn't even need to be coached. You know, I mean, he's got natural ability. I think he's done a great job and. And the fumbles, as far as the fumble limitations with the running backs, I think he's done a great job. As he's, but he's got great players to coach. Don't screw him up. Just help him get better. So I think that's important. That doesn't make him a great coordinator, okay? And the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know what's going on there, who's calling the coverages, or if the kids have been taught right or wrong, or are they being taught? Or maybe they just can't grasps the material that you're teaching them and they just space out and they're not making the, the right plays. Well, then if that's happening, then you got to get that type of guy out of the game because he's killing you. Sometimes you have to give up ability for someone that knows uh, who he has and can't get beaten or can't do certain things to, uh, to allow you to get beat or look bad or embarrassed. So, you know, we don't know all of those things. We don't know why that's happening. So people that know uh, what the majority of these mistakes are, what the good things that are happening out there, uh, they have to sit down and make these decisions. All we do is, all I do is give you my opinion when I'm asked one of your questions. But I don't know the real background on how much T. Martin has to say with all the play calling. Is it 100% him? 
or is his calls when he sends down today checked off? Or is uh, other things happening on the defensive side of the ball as far as linebacker play? And are there, who's making the decisions on who the players are on defense, all the starters? Is it Clay Helton or is it Clancy Pendergrass? Who's making these decisions? And who's allowing these mistakes to continue or whatever? So, uh, you know, uh, I can't make all those type of decisions on staff changes, sir, because I don't know the whole story. Now, if I knew the whole story, I'd be able to tell you. Yeah. Um, let's see. We'll do one more, and we'll let you go. We, do we, one more, and then, man, i got to go. I'm sorry, Coach. Yeah, we have uh, – we still have more questions. To me? We don't even have a commercial break. I know. We'll save uh, – we got. We have more questions. that I'm still saving them. There's some that are kind of evergreen that we'll talk about probably after after the season. So I'm not getting rid of these guys. Uh, Eric and Rosemead texted in and said, Hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, if Nick Saban was coaching USC, how different would this team be? And do you think they'd be as impressive as Alabama always is? All these four- and five-star recruits to me are underperforming. I'm as passionate about USC football as the next guy, but anyone who thinks we belong in the playoff needs to have their head examined and take a urine test. To be struggling with a very sorry <laughs> UCLA team is just sad. Thanks and fight on, Eric and Rosemead. So I think he sent this in like after the UCLA game. Well, I think uh, Nick Saban's a, a tremendous football uh, coach, and I think he's at the right university, the University of Alabama. That fits in. He fits in perfect there. He's the biggest guy in the state. He could run for governor and win governor. Uh, he could be uh, president of the college and head football coach, NAD, if he so chose to. That isn't going to happen at USC. So you have to look at the different schools and the different universities and what makes you great. Now, he's a great football coach, and he has a great football program, and he does it his way. He hires great coaches. He has a lot of money to pay these coaches, and he seems to be able to – he can hire anybody he wants, even guys that have been in trouble or whatever, because no one's going to contest him because of Nick Saban. He can handle the press any way he wants, and who's going to say anything? Nobody. So he is in a unique type of situation, and he's an excellent coach, and he has great feelings for his players, and I think he does a great job. Would he be great at USC? He'd be great anywhere, but it wouldn't be the same as Alabama, okay? It's not the same as Alabama. I think one of the top coaches in the country, too, is Bill Snyder, Kansas State. He's beaten Iowa State and Oklahoma State back-to-back, and do you ever see him on any top? And you do recruiting lists. When's the last time you saw Kansas State on any top recruiting rating, uh, Ryan. I'm going to ask you that. When's the last time you've seen him anywhere in the ratings? Never. Yeah, I've never seen that. Never. So he coaches, and he teaches his way, the old way. He coaches them up. He finds tight ends. They make some quarterbacks. And uh, look what he does. He's going to another bowl game. I don't know know how many years in a row he's going to a bowl game, but he plays them all. He plays Texas tough. You don't beat him by more than seven points, before ten points, if you beat him. So, uh, you know, when you look at the greatest coaches that are out there it depends on where they are, what admission standards do they have, uh, what what the university's philosophy is. Uh, at Alabama, you got eighty thousand people at the spring game. If USC has fifteen to twenty thousand at the spring game, uh, man, uh, it's you know it's, it's absolutely awesome. UCLA has maybe five thousand at the spring game, so it's the importance of what the event is. And at in Alabama, Alabama and Auburn, that's the that's the event. That's the Rams, that's the Lakers, that's the Clippers, that's the Kings, the Ducks, that's everybody. So obviously it's a great job, and he makes it happen. There's been some people there that can't make it happen, but he has. He recruits well. Players like him. 
Coaches are very disciplined. They know going to that program, they got to stay disciplined, and they're going there for one reason, too, to win and go to the NFL. Because he tells them, you come here and do what our plan is, and you're going to the NFL. And that's why he gets the type of players he gets, because they know he can prove that that's the story and that's what comes out. They win, they're ranked high, and they also are treated very fairly, and uh, they have a great shot at the NFL. So, you know, yeah, he'd be great at USC, but I think he's greater at Alabama. The coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, thanks so much for uh, joining us on a Sunday again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. It'll be after the Pac-12 championship game, so we'll kind of get your thoughts on all of that, and uh, we'll keep answering the questions, we'll keep talking about this team, and uh, thanks again for coming on, Coach. Hey, thank you. And again, I, I want people to follow me so you know when I'm on and you oh, get yeah. all the other shows I'm on. It's at Coach Harvey Hyde. At Coach Harvey Hyde. You, I always tweet out when I'm going to be on the air. I even tweet it out. I'll be tweeting out in a little bit here what time I'll be on today, probably in an hour. If you have, right now we're finishing at 1, so we'll get to tweet out. You'd know that, and you do it too, Ryan, so there's no problem. So, And also my website is Coach Hyde or HarveyHyde.com harveyhyde.com if you want to find out about all my other programs that I do. But, Ryan, I appreciate it. Thank you for all of you callers out there for checking in with us and giving us a a show. And, Ryan, I thank you, too. Yeah, thank you, Coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We're gonna I'm going to record a, uh, a recruiting podcast for our USAFootball.com members, VIP members here a little bit later today. We'll have Dan Weber on this week. I'll probably do a solo podcast. Uh, we'll do some stuff uh, this week uh, leading up to the Pac-12 championship game. So make sure you tune into all of that. Thanks for tuning in to us here on the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.